Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, from the aspiring to the veteran, with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Welcome to another episode of This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. Uh, we are going to talk about the fighter once again, but... With Xanathar's Guide to Everything and Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. These are uh, extra subclasses slash archetypes uh, is the word for these. Um, and it gives a little bit more flavor. Um, even in Xanathar's, I know uh, historically we don't talk great about Xanathar's. It has its moments. It has its its uh, uses. Uh, one or two. One, one or two. Um, yeah, who is But you she? know what? <laughs> Xanathar is 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 fine. We're we're gonna get there. So, uh, fighter. One thing that I like about uh, Xanathar's is that it does have some some funny like flavor texts off to the side. Uh, the first one is "Let me know when you're all done talking." Uh, and that's that's fighter in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, all right, are we done? Cool. Swingy, swingy, stab, stab. Uh, <laughs> that's what um, I'm here for. Exactly. So. I'm not going to read the introductionary par uh, paragraph. If you want to know about fighters as an introduction, listen to the intro fighter episode. Shameless plug. But you do get some interesting stuff for roleplay. You get the heraldric sign, uh, which fighters typically do battle for a cause. Some fight on behalf of kingdoms besieged by monsters, while others quest only for personal glory. Either case, a fighter often displays a heraldic sign that represents that cause, either adopting the symbol of a nation or a royal line, or creating a crest to represent one's self-interest. Think of the Mandalorian and his uh, little beast thing on his shoulder. I forget what they're called. Um, well, what if I what if I fight for love? Where's my what is my sign? Um, it's going to be a heart with a dagger through it, with the word "mommy" on the bottom. Um, That's or you, or you could just be a cleric. Or you could be a cleric. <laughs> I mean, it's the same kind of symbol. <laughs> it is. It is the same kind of symbol. Uh, <laughs> you also get instructors uh, as a, a history RPG th RP thing. RPG. Jesus. Uh, some fighters are natural-born combatants who have a talent for surviving in battle. Others learned the basics of their combat prowess in their formative years, from spending time in a military or some other martial organization when they were taught by the leaders of the group. Uh, so it has like a little D6 chart. Uh, there's gladiator, there's military, city watch, tribal warrior, street fighter, and a weapon master uh, for your instructors. Uh, and last but not least, before we get into martial archetypes, is the signature styles, uh, which are elegant, brutal, cunning, effortless, energetic, and sinister. Many fighters distinguish themselves from their peers by adopting and perfecting a particular style or method of waging combat. So all of that doesn't add anything to the actual mechanics of the game, but it certainly adds to the RP. Um, you know, when you can't really think of like, oh, you know, I have like a little bit of a backstory, but, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty, these are little things that you can add for some flair. What does the Sinister yeah. Fighter look like? You oh, scowl and sneer while fighting, and you enjoy mocking mm. your foes as you defeat them. So he's the... Um, the arrogant, uh, um, like, I don't know, mercenary, maybe? <laughs> ah, so yeah. he's a dick. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jamie Lannister, uh, pre-arm hack. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, that was uh -huh. a humbling experience for him, you know? I mean, come on now. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So, Pup. I laughed. Yeah, so, Pup, yeah. I know that you enjoy magic. And I Do know you? That, yeah, I, know I don't you know whatever gave you that impression. I don't know either. But you know what? Go ahead and intro the Arcane Archer for us. It's like my two favorite things, <laughs> archery and magic. Yeah, in hiding. I can hide behind <laughs> in hiding. Um, so Arcane Archers. An Arcane Archer studies a unique elven method of archery that weaves magic into attacks to produce a supernatural effect. Arcane Archers are some of the most elite warriors among the elves. See, elite warriors. It says elite Anyway, they stand watch over the fringes of elven domains, keeping a keen eye out for trespassers and using magic-infused arrows to defeat monsters and invaders before they can reach elven settlements. Over the centuries, the method of these elf archers have been learned by members of other races who can also balance arcane aptitude with archery. 
So the good news is you don't have to play an elf to be an arcane archer. They'll just judge you harshly for it. Which just adds to the RP. I mean, yeah. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah. They're like, who and, taught you how to hold the bow like that? Anyway. And they have different features that's listed right there. Um, and then at third level, you learn arcane archer lore. You learn magical theory or some of the secrets of nature typical for practitioners of this elven martial tradition. You choose to gain proficiency in either the arcana or the nature skill. And you choose to learn either Prestidigitation or the Druidcraft cantrip. And you learn the best boulders to hide behind in trees <laughs> because that's where you're going to be through the whole fight. I <laughs> okay, I do have to caveat that uh, Thorne and I do completely shit on Pup all the time <laughs> for the way that, that he uses whoa, magic and, whoa. And, and plays. But whoa. I don't actually have anything against uh, magic. That was what I played I don't with, either. Like, you know, all the time. I mean, I've just, I've done so many wizards and things that now if I play a wizard or some other kind of magic uh, wielder, it has to be something completely off the wall uh, just for it to be fun because we've been playing for so long. So there's nothing wrong with it. Don't take any of our jokes personally, <laughs> uh, except for Pup. Take them as personally as you want because I don't care. Arcane Jeez. shot at third level. You learn to unleash special <laughs> magical effects. I didn't even get a word in there. <laughs> for the whole <laughs> you learn two arcane shot options of your choice. See arcane shot options below. Once per turn, when you fire a magic arrow from a short bow or long bow as part of the attack action, you can apply one of your arcane shot options to that arrow. You decide to use the option when the arrow hits a creature, unless the option doesn't involve an attack roll. You can uh, you have two uses of the ability and regain all expended uses at the end of a short or long rest. You gain additional ar uh, arcane shot options uh, when you reach certain levels, 7th, 10th, 15th, and 18th level. Each option also improves when you become an 18th level fighter. Yeah. You also get a magic arrow. Who could have foreseen that as an arcane <laughs> archer? Um, anyway, at 7th level, you gain the ability to infuse your arrows with magic. Whenever you fire a non-magical arrow from a short bow or a long bow behind the boulder that you're firing from, you can make it magical for the purposes of overcoming <laughs> resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. The magic fades from the arrow immediately after it hits or misses its target. <laughs> Most of the time, you won't miss from behind that bolt. I'm telling you, it is a strategic no, move. No, it it's, it's 100% tactical, but we're still going to shit on you for it. Amen. <laughs> and at 7th level, you get curving shots so you can bend it like Beckham. You learn how to yeah. direct an arrow, arrow toward a new target. When you make an attack roll that you would normally miss, you can use a bonus action to reroll the attack roll against a different target within 60 feet of the original target from behind your boulder. See, you went with Beckham, and I went with like the movie Wanted, where they were curving the bullets. Like, yeah, but just, it like, just sounded better. The, it really did. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, ever ready shot. Starting at 15th level, your magical archery is available whenever battle starts. When you roll initiative and have no uses of arcane shot remaining, you gain one. So, hey, that's pretty cool. I guess. Are you ready for this? <laughs> no. Can you do so... it in one breath? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know I can. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to, but you know I can. Um, so, you have all, so we talked about arcane shot options. So the arcane shot feature lets you choose options for it at certain levels. The options are presented here in alphabetical order, which is where I'm going to go over them with you. They are all magical effects, and each one is associated with one of the schools of magic. If any option requires a saving throw, your arcane shot save DC equals 8 plus your proficiency modifier plus your intelligence modifier. So I hope that you're a really smart arcane archer. Anyway, um, the banishing arrow. You use abjuration magic to try to temporarily banish your target to a harmless location in the Feywilds. The creature hit by the arrow must also succeed on a charisma saving throw or be banished. While banished in this way, the target speed is zero and it is incapacitated. At the end of its next turn, the target reappears in the space it vacated or in the nearest unoccupied space if that space is occupied. After you reach 18th level in this class, a target also takes 2d6 force damage when the arrow hits. Oof. Beguiling arrow. I know, that's what I said. That's, that's, oof. Um, beguiling arrow. Your enchantment magic causes this area to temporarily beguile its target. 
The creature hit by the arrow takes an extra 2d6 psychic damage and choose one of your allies within 30 feet of the target. The target must succeed in a wisdom saving throw or it is charmed by the chosen ally until the start of your next turn. Oh, you're Cupid. It's a, it's anyway. a sexy arrow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sexy arrow. Now, Keith. <laughs> That's it. All my arrows are now named Keith. <laughs> this effect ends early if the chosen ally attacks the charm target, which why would he? They're kissing. Deals damage to it or forces it to make a saving throw. The psychic damage increases to 4d6 when you reach 18th level in the class. Bursting arrow. You imbue your arrow with force energy drawn from the school of evocation. The energy detonates after you attack. Immediately after the arrow hits the target, the target and all other creatures within 10 feet of it take 2d6 force damage. The force damage increases to 4d6 when you reach 18th level in this class. It is a grenade arrow. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Enfeebling arrow. You weave necromatic magic into your arrow. The creature hit by this arrow takes an extra 2d6 necrotic damage. The target must also must also succeed on a constitution saving throw or the damage dealt by its weapon attacks is halved until the start of your next turn. The necrotic damage increases to 4d6 when you reach 18th level in this class. Grasping arrows. With the Is arrow strikes its target, Conjuration Magic creates grasping, poisonous brambles which wrap around the target. The creature hit by this arrow takes an extra 2d6 poison damage, its speed is reduced by 10 feet, and it takes 2d6 slashing damage the first time. On each turn, it moves one foot or more with the, without teleporting. He's already dead. You don't have to keep hitting it. <laughs> the target or any creature that can reach it can use its action to remove the brambles with a successful strength athletics check against your arcane shot save DC. Otherwise, the brambles last for one minute or until the use until you use this option again. The poison damage and slashing damage both increase to 4d6 when you reach 18th level. In okay, class. pause. Both damages <laughs> go up to 40s. You're hitting this guy with 8d6 plus the normal arrow damage that you do. This is dumb. Dead, <laughs> and then he takes more damage as he moves. To okay, piercing arrow. You use transportation, transmutation magic to give your arrow an ethereal quality. When you use What's transportation magic, it means you hit him with a bus because that's what these arrows are at 18th level. <laughs> just buses your people. <laughs> when you use this option, you make an attack roll for the attack. Instead, the arrow shoots forward in a line, which is one foot wide and ten feet long, before disappearing. The arrow passes harmlessly through objects, ignoring cover. Each creature in the line must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes damage as if it were hit by the arrow, plus an extra 1d6 piercing damage. On a successful save, a target takes half as much damage. The piercing damage increases, increases to 2d6 when you reach 18th level in this class. That's really cool, actually. Disappearing arrow. Seeking Arrow. Using Divination Magic, you grant your arrow the ability to seek out a target. When you use this option, you don't make any attack roll for the attack. Instead, choose one creature you see in the you've seen in the past minute. The arrow flies towards that creature, moving around corners if necessary and ignoring three-quarters cover and half cover. If the creature is within the weapon's range and there is a path large enough for the arrow to travel to the target, the target must make a dexterity saving throw. Otherwise, the arrow disappears after traveling as far as it can. On a failed save, the target takes damage as if it were hit by the arrow, plus an extra 1d6 force damage, and you learn the target's current location. On a successful save, the target takes half as much damage, and you don't learn its location. The force damage increases 2d6 when you reach 18th level in this class. It's a homing missile! Yeah. It's the Patriot arrow. <laughs> what? And then the last but not least... The Shadow Arrow. You weave illusion magic into your arrow, causing it to occlude your foe's vision with shadows. The creature hit by the arrow takes an extra 2d6 psychic damage, and it must succeed in a wisdom saving throw or be unable to see anything farther than 5 feet away until the start of your next turn. The psychic damage increases to 4d6 when you reach 18th level in this class. That is a lot. It's a, of different yes. it's a lot, and honestly, like that's this is actually kind of a cool class. It is! With these things going on. And, I mean, the Grasping Arrow 
I don't know if I would use anything other than Cupid's arrow. I mean, beguiling arrow and uh, grasping arrow. It's Cupid's definitely uh, it's <laughs> Cupid's arrow. It's Cupid's arrow. <laughs> but grasping, grasping arrow does a total of eight d six damage at eighteenth level. That it's is ridiculous. ridiculous. Got to get to eighteenth level. You got to get to eighteenth level. Oh, you so. have to make it that far. We all know I'm not going to make it that far, but nope. I believe We've in you. We've done it once. Well, yeah. Rob, Robbie has trouble making it past like four. <laughs> yeah. Listen. That's true. What? <laughs> it's because I'm evil, not because I don't know what I'm doing. We've been saying this the whole time because <laughs> you're like, no, I'm not evil. I'm just misunderstood. <laughs> yes. Next is Cavalier. The archetypal Cavalier excels at mounted combat. Usually born among the nobility and raised at court, a cavalier is equally at home leading a cavalry charge or exchanging repartee at a state dinner. Cavaliers also learn how to guard those in their charge from harm, often serving as the protectors of their superiors and of the weak. Compelled to right wrongs or earn prestige, many of these fighters leave their lives of comfort to embark on glorious adventure. Glorious adventure. So, uh, one thing to note: there is a little, a little note up the, at the top that says "Cavaliers, Samurai, and History." While both Cavaliers and Samurai existed in the real world, uh, the inspirations from Watsi are uh, for both fighter types are taken from popular culture, folk tales, movies, comic books, etc. Not from actual history. So, their intent was to uh, capture the cinematic and heroic element of both archetypes in the game, rather than create an accurate. Uh, historical representation. So, if you're one of the types that knows about combat and knows, you know, martial history, uh, this ain't it. Just throwing it's that out. It's a there. game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just but let it make that. It's not you know. accurate. <laughs> if we, you know, if we took every class and made it historically accurate to what would be possible, um, alchemists a lot of them would suck. A lot of them. A lot of them would suck. And then everyone would play artificers and alchemists because nukes. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the way it would be. Can I play Einstein in my game? Absolutely and not. Just like... <laughs> play it's, it, it, it's not that you know you couldn't. It's that you, you couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how you so, really feel, Thor. When you choose this archetype <laughs> at third level. You gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice. Animal handling, history, insight, performance, or persuasion. Alternatively, you can learn one language of your choice. Ooh, and then you're also born to the saddle. Mm. Anyway, starting at third level, you master your mastery as a writer becomes apparent. You have advantage on saving throws made to avoid falling off your mount. If you fall off your mount and descend no more than 10 feet, you can land on your feet. You're not incapacitated. Finally, mounting or dismounting a creature costs you only 5 feet of movement <laughs> rather than have to speed. Not like that. <laughs> Man. Pup, not like that. I know. You we're done. Skip the rest. Yeah, we're done. That's the end of the episode. You're done. <laughs> I can't say mounting without laughing, really. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. Unwaver- I nope, nope, nope. Don't no, even. Trying not zip to it. Gob. Just zip it. <laughs> You're done. Trying not to gob. Unwavering mark. mark. My turn. At, okay. Starting at third level, you can menace your foes, foiling their attacks and punish them, punishing them for harming others. When you hit a creature with a melee weapons attack, you can mark the creature until the end of your next turn. This effect ends early only if you are incapacitated or you die or if someone else marks a creature. While it is within five feet of you, a creature marked by you has disadvantage on attack rolls that doesn't target you. In addition, if a creature marked by you deals damage to anyone other than you, you can make, make a special melee weapon attack against the marked creature as a bonus action on your next turn. Nice. You have advantage on the attack awesome. roll and if it hits, the attack weapons deals extra damage to the target equal to half your fighter level. Uh, regardless of the number of creatures you mark, you can make this special attack number times equal to your strength modifier minimum once, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Wow. That's nice. cool. That's actually that pretty was, cool. That was cool. Uh, warding <laughs> Maneuver at 7th level, you learn to fend off strikes directed at you, your mount, or other creatures nearby. If you or a creature you can see within 5 feet of you is hit by an attack, 
you can roll a 1d8 as a reaction if you're wielding a melee weapon or a, a shield. Roll the die and add the number rolled to the target's AC against the attack. If the attack still hits, the target has resistance against the attack's damage, aka half damage. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your con modifier, minimum of one, and you regain all expended uses after a long rest. And next, you hold the line. At 10th level, you become a master of locking down your enemies. Creatures provoke an opportunity attack for you when they move 5 feet or more while within your reach, and if you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, the target's speed is reduced to zero until the end of the current turn. So you can essentially just prevent people from moving away from you. Or just moving around you to tactfully, like, gain advantage. You know, yep. in the cases That's of, uh, like, packs. Flanking. Yeah. So. Uh, ferocious Charger. Starting at 15th level, you can run down your foes whether you're mounted or not. If you move at least 10 feet in a straight line right before attacking a creature and you hit it with the attack, that target must succeed on a strength saving throw um, or be knocked prone. You can use this feature only once on each of your turns. So it's not once per long rest. Mm -hmm. It's once a turn. Yeah. And it's knocking people prone, which I personally love. Yeah. Why? Because they have to get up. Yep. Half speed. Vigilant yep. Defender, starting at 18th level, you respond to danger with extraordinary vigilance. In combat, you get a special reaction that you can take once on every creature's turn, except your turn. You can use this special reaction only to make an opportunity attack, um, and you can't use it on the same turn that you take your normal reaction. Jesus. Yeah. That's, so, that's a lot. So this, this class, I would have to say... I don't like, but mm -mm. Um, if, I, if it was like a level 15 or above, then I could see playing this class because it got better with like the 10th, the 15th and the 18th level it features. But at the beginning, I was like, this is crap. <laughs> well, let me, let yeah. me give you a caveat. Unless you're going to unless you know for a fact the campaign you're in is going to use a lot of horses or riding creatures. Yeah, no. I can't see playing this. Yeah, because you have to keep your creature alive too. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. like it's not like you have just this lifeless mechanical creature that you can be riding. Like it has to survive as well, which is my big thing. They should have had something similar to the Ranger where you can summon a, your creature or your horse. Yeah, but then you side. would just be playing a ranger. That's yeah. true. Why not just play a ranger? <laughs> <laughs> have you considered that? That's right. Have you considered that? <laughs> if you're playing the Cavalier, have you considered Rangers? <laughs> just, just not. Get a horse? <laughs> uh, so the last but not least, in Xanathar's at least, uh, Samurai. The Samurai is a fighter who draws on an, Im an implacable fighting uh, spirit to overcome enemies. A Samurai's resolve is nearly unbreakable, and the enemies in a Samurai's path have two choices, yield or die fighting. You get your bonus proficiencies to start off with. You can choose when you choose this archetype at third level. You gain proficiencies in one of the following skills of your choice: history, insight, performance, or persuasion. Alternatively, you learn one language of your choice. Next is fighting spirit. Starting at third level, your intensity in battle can shield you and help you strike true. As a bonus action on your turn, you can give yourself advantage on weapon attack rolls until the end of the current turn. When you do so, you also gain five temporary hit points. The number of temporary hit points increases when you reach certain levels in this class, increasing to 10 at 10th level and 15 at 15th level. You can use this feature three times, and you regain all expended uses after you finish a long rest. That's a lot. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, elegant Courtier. Starting at 7th level, your discipline and attention to detail allow you to excel in social situations. Whenever you make a Charisma Persuasion check, you gain a bonus to the check equal to your Wisdom modifier. Your self-control also contain, uh, causes you to gain proficiency in Wisdom saving throws. If you already have this proficiency, you instead gain proficiency in Intelligence or Charisma saving ch throws your choice. Which That's is nice really that cool. they give you that you know choice. Yeah. It's actually really awesome. Tireless Spirit. Starting at 10th level, you roll initiative and have no use. When you roll initiative and have no use as a fighting spirit remaining, you regain one use. That's awesome. So you get more. Yeah. 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 
Just like, oh, I got no more. Let me just get another one out of the pile. <laughs> Rapid Strike. Starting at 15th level, you learn to trade accuracy for swift strikes. If you take the attack action on your turn and have advantage on an attack roll against one of the targets, you can forego the advantage for that roll to make additional weapon attacks against the target as part of the same action. You can do so no more than once per turn. That's if you have advantage. So if you use the fighting spirit to give yourself advantage, you can use the rapid strike just to attack twice. Yeah. In each turn. That's insane. Plus you get the normal fighting, the fighter stuff of like second wind and yes. action surge and just mm -hmm. stupid. Lord, you be a God, that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, strength before death. Starting at 18th level, your fighting spirit can delay the grasp of death. If you take damage that reduces you to zero hit points and doesn't kill you outright, you can use your reaction to delay falling unconscious, and you can immediately take an extra turn, interrupting the current turn. While you have zero hit points during that extra turn, taking damage causes death saving throw failures as normal, and three death saving throw failures can still kill you. When the extra turn ends, you fall unconscious if you still have zero hit points. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. I like this because it gives you that dramatic, like almost, you know, character death ending in a fight because you can yeah. still hold out and get that last little bit. Or if you so choose, you can still do an extra turn and just heal yourself. Just be like, second I'm wind. dying. Whoop, second wind plus a healing potion. I'm done. I'm good to go. <laughs> and Look, then, there's a second wind coming. And then the BBEG is <laughs> like, why won't this guy die? Um, so you could have that, you know. Um, final thoughts for Xanathar's. I think Arcane Archer, as much as I hate to say it, is the best one of these three. I love Arcane Archer. I'll agree with that one, too. I mean, it's basically an, an archer tank. Yeah. And with the versatility of all the, the magic arrows that it's got, with the grasping arrow and stuff, it's... It's really a no-brainer to me. I couldn't see myself ever, ever doing Cavalier. Um, <laughs> no, I just so. want to play. A, I just want to play a Cavalier to see how it goes. Um, <laughs> but also, I do want to play as Cupid. Like, I just want to like, <laughs> like, now you're in love. No. <laughs> now Keith. Now Keith. <laughs> now Keith. <laughs> so moving on to Tasha's. Uh, Tasha is obviously is a little bit more uh, new slash modern for us um, in 5e, and it gave us uh, some extra optional class features. Uh, Which so are we have, cool. yeah. So we have, uh, and this is first level fighting features. These are the uh, fighting style options that we can choose uh, above the player's handbook that we talked about last episode. Uh, but blind fighting, you can you have blind uh, sight with a range of 10 feet. Within that range, you can effectively see anything that isn't behind total cover, even if you're blinded or in darkness. Moreover, you can see an invisible creature within that range unless that creature successfully hides from you. You have oh. uh, interception. Uh, when a creature you can see hits a, a target other than you within 5 feet of you with intact, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage the target takes by 1d10 plus your proficiency bonus. Um, and you must be wielding a shield or a simple or martial weapon to use. So basically, if you're if you're a fighter, you could do this. I, yes. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And, and can I just say, it, at early levels, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one, superior technique. Uh, oh, that's not the last one. There's more Jesus. Um, <laughs> Shame on you. Shame. Superior technique. You learn one maneuver of your choice from among those available to the Battlemaster archetype. If a maneuver you use requires your target to make a saving throw to resist the maneuver's effects, the saving throw DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength or dex, which is your choice. You gain one superiority die, which is a D6. This die is added to any superiority die you have from another source. This die is used to fuel your maneuvers. Uh, blah, 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 extended, you know, short rest, long rest, like we talked about earlier. Lots of math. Lots of math. <laughs> uh, what of you want to read the other two? Throne, throne weapon, weapon fighting. fighting. I'm doing oh. it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, I want to do throne weapon. Okay, pup, I'll let you do it this time. Thank you. Um, you can draw a weapon that has the throne property as part of the attack you make with the weapon. In addition, when you hit with a ranged attack using a thrown weapon, you gain a plus two bonus to the damage roll, which is really, really cool. Did you want to do unarmed fighting, Thorn? No. Weird. 
Okay. Your unarmed strikes unarmed. can deal to bludgeoning damage <laughs> equal to 1d6 plus your strength modifier on a hit. If you aren't wielding any weapons or a shield when you would make the attack roll, the d6 becomes a d8. So your fists are better than a sword. All right. At the start of each and of your turns, you can, <laughs> you can deal 1d4 bludgeoning damage to one creature grappled by you. And martial versus... See, this isn't the fighting styles anymore. This is actually a fourth level fighter feature that it's adding. Mm -hmm. um, martial versatility. Whenever you reach a level in this class that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can do one of the following as you shift the focus of your martial practice. You can replace a fighting style. Uh, if you know any maneuvers from the Battlemaster archetype, you can replace one maneuver you know with a different maneuver, which is handy. Yeah, it is. And then it's got more maneuver options. It does. We don't necessarily need to read through them. We're uh, going to do something like this. Ambush. That's self-explanatory. Read it if you want to know. Bait and yeah. switch. Self-explanatory again. Read it if you want to know. Brace. Self-explanatory. Commanding presence. Charisma intimidate. Blah, blah, blah. Grappling strike. Self-explanatory. Quick toss. It's like a hip toss. Tactical assessment. That <laughs> one's a little more you know, intelligence, investigation, and you know that way you can... It helps with ability checks. Yeah. There that's it. I mean, yeah, that that's easier than, than reading it all through. But all it is is just more maneuvers for the Battlemasters. So that's, that's cool shit. Um, then we finally get into the new uh, martial archetypes. Um, I'm going to let Pup Nueve do this one because it's magic. So, by all means. <laughs> it's psionic <laughs> powers, but yes, it's magic. Um, it's magic. Science. Shut up. So, Psy Warriors, brains over brawn, mind over matter. These canny warriors rightly answer, ¿Por qué no los dos? That's exactly um, what it says in the book. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awake to the psionic powers within, a Psy Warrior is a fighter who augments their physical might with Psy-infused weapon strikes, telekine telekinetic lashes, and barriers of mental force. Many... Get the Yankee trained to become such warriors, as do some of the most disciplined High Elves. In the world of Eberron, many young Callistars dream of becoming Psy Warriors. As a Psy Warrior, you might have honed your psionic abilities through solo discipline, unlocked it under the tutelage of a master, or find it at an academy dedicated to wielding the mind's power as both weapon and shield. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's pretty <laughs> cool. Level 3, the psionic power. And I'm going to warn everybody, these are all these to do with the Psy Warrior are extremely long. They really are. So we're going to condense. Uh, psionic power at third level. You harbor a wellspring of psionic energy within yourself. This energy is represented by your psionic energy dice, which are each a D6. You have a number of these dice equal to twice your proficiency bonus, and they fuel various psionic powers you have, which are detailed below. Um, some of your powers expense on the energy die as specified in the powers description. You can't use a power if it requires you to use the dice when your dice are all expended. Obviously. Mm -hmm. um, you regain all expended psionic energy dice after a long rest. Um, I gotta say, we, we, I love when the books always say, like, you can maintain con uh, concentration unless you're incapacitated or dead. Like, yeah. No, I, I'm still concentrating I, when I'm dead. You can't. You no, can't yeah, I'm so focused. I'm I'm dead and I'm focused. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, use your die unless you don't have any. Like, oh, okay, sure, thanks for that. Okay, so gotcha. we're, we're, we're gonna go through these really quick if I can. Mm -hmm. uh, protective field. That's a force field, yep. isn't it? Really? Okay, psionic strike. Um, basically, it's a propelled psionic force. Um, Thirty feet is usually the range for this telekinetic movement you can move an object or a creature with your mind um and that's it yep that's it <laughs> that's that's condensed <laughs> yeah no i'm serious like like protective field one two three four five six seven lines just to say it's a force field of 30 feet and it reduces damage like uh, you can get the ex the specifics in tasha's but that's what it is yep telekinetic we love you addicts. listeners we I do love you, listeners, them. which is why we're not reading every word. Uh, <laughs> telekinetic adept at seventh level. You have mastered new ways to use your telekinetic abilities. Uh, psi powered leap. You're, you're Jedi leaping. Telekinetic thrust. No pup de It's not that. 
Touch. When you when you deal damage Bad to a pun. target, <laughs> you can force the target to make a strength saving throw. Blah blah blah. Math. If it fails, you knock the target prone or move it ten feet in any direction. There. Guarded mind. <laughs> At tenth level, Psy Warrior feature. Um, the psionic energy flowing through you has bolstered your mind, obviously, because you're psychic. You have resistance to psychic damage. Moreover, if you start your turn charmed or frightened, you can expand a psionic energy die and then every effect on yourself subjecting you to those conditions. Look That's pretty you. cool. That is pretty cool. I'm not saying that Psy Warrior is bad. It's just a lot of reading. It is a lot of reading. Um, Bulwark of Force, a 15th level Psy Warrior feature. You can shield yourself and others with telekinetic force. As a bonus action, you can choose creatures which can include you that you can see within 30 feet up to you up to a number of creatures equal to your intelligence modifier. Uh, each of the chosen creatures is protected by half cover for one minute or until you're incapacitated. Once you take this bonus action, you, can do, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest unless you expend a psionic energy die to take it again. Yep. Again, it's just a more powerful force field, I guess. I guess. Oh, so, yeah. now, I, now I know why they have to add that in because I can already hear somebody being like, it doesn't say until I'm incapacitated. I'm like, right. but, rules but how are you? Yeah, how are you maintaining it? It's for the rules it? lawyer, but like, yeah. <laughs> uh, telekinetic master, 18th level. Your ability to move creatures and objects with your mind is matched by few. You can cast the telekinesis spell requiring no components, and your spellcasting ability for the spell is intelligence. Uh, on each of your turns, while you can concentrate on the spell, including the turn when you cast it, you can make one attack with a weapon as a bonus action, which is pretty cool. Once you cast a yeah. spell with this feature, you can't do so again until after a long rest. Or until you cast it again. Or until you can use psionic energy die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you can't until you do. Um, <laughs> I don't I mean, know. Telekinesis is pretty cool. I, I do like psi, you know, psionic powers and stuff. And, you know, like, playing in Eberron, that was a huge deal. Um, so I, I like the idea of the class. I don't hate it. Yeah. It's certainly not Cavalier. So <laughs> No. No. Sorry, Cavaliers. At right least there. <laughs> Cavalier. At least not Cavalier. <laughs> uh so we have the Rune Knight. Uh I you're like searching the color. I like the flavor. <laughs> yeah. You're searching ancient arts and drawing runes. It's okay to just say you want to be a witch. <laughs> so Rune Knights enhance their martial power uh, prowess using the supernatural powers of runes, an ancient practice that originated with giants. Rune cutters can be found among any family of giants, and you le uh, likely learned your methods first or second hand from such a mystical artisan. Whether you found the giant's work carved into a hill or a cave, learned of the runes from a sage, or met the giant in person, you studied the giant's craft and learned how to apply magic runes to empower your equipment. Thorn, this directly works with what we're working I on. I just realized <laughs> I that. was like, mm, this is awesome. I have, okay, this, I have so yeah. many questions <laughs> about... About like so you're no. just walking around and you see a giant like carved a, a rune on the thing and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna use that. Well I have no idea what it does, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I mean that's what we do with books. Oh, that's true. But I mean <laughs> at least books. Bonus proficiencies at third level you gain proficiency with Smith's tools and you learn to speak, read, and write giant. Rune carver. Third level Ruin Knight feature, you can use magic runes to enhance your gear. You learn two runes of your choice from among the runes described below, and each time you gain a level in this class, you can replace one ruin you know with a different one from this feature. When you reach certain levels in this class, you learn additional runes, as shown in the Ruins Known table. Um, whenever you finish a long rest, you can touch the number of objects equal to the number of ruins you know. And you can inscribe a different ruin onto each of the objects. To be eligible, an object must be a weapon, a suit of armor, a shield, a piece of jewelry, or something else you wear or hold in your hand. Your ruin remains on an object until you finish a long rest, and an object can bear only one of your ruins at a time. The following ruins are available to you when you learn a ruin. If a ruin has a level requirement, you must be at least that level in this class to learn the ruin. If a ruin requires a saving throw, your ruin magic save DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your constitution modifier. There are a lot of ruins, so There's I am a lot going of to words break... in each rune as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna break them down for you as quickly as I can. Cloud ruin, you ruin emulates the deceptive magic used by cloud giants. Magic, deceptive, dexterity, charisma. That's what the effects. 
So Fire Ruins allows you to add fiery attacks to your weapons. It's kind of self-explanatory. Frost Ruins, same thing with ice attacks to your weapons. Stone Ruins, you channel magic and associate with stone giants while carrying an object inscribed this ruin. You can have advantage of wisdom checks or you have dark vision out of range of 120 feet. Uh, Hill Ruin, which is a 7th level or higher one that you can get, allows you to carry more objects because you're a lot bigger, I guess. Storm Ruin, a 7th level or higher. Use this ruin, you can glimpse the future like a storm giant seer. Yep. I didn't, uh, I didn't know they were I didn't know they were ruins. Yeah, that's rune, not ruin. <laughs> um, but, you know, I wasn't going to say nothing. Uh, it is it is important to say for the hill rune, you also gain advantage on shaving throws against being poisoned and resistance against poison damage. So there's there's, true. A, yeah. there's a there's a couple of different things in there, but I mean, you you get the point. Yeah, uh, giants might. You have learned how to imbue yourself with the might of giants. As a bonus action, you magically gain the following benefits, which last for one minute. If you are smaller than large, you become large along with anything you are wearing. If you lack the room, become large, your size doesn't change. <laughs> wow. Huh. You, you had advantage on strength <laughs> yeah. checks and strength saving throws. I'm sorry, that just cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> Once on each of your turns, one of your attacks with a weapon or an unarmed strike can deal an extra 1d6 damage to a target. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equals to your fishy bonus, and you gain all extended with the finish with a long rest. As a story weaver, <laughs> as a story weaver, I'm going to let you become large. It doesn't matter if the room doesn't hold you. If oh, you yeah. don't hold it, your head is up out of the roof. It, like that's. Um, I like that's anything you are wearing. Well, I would hope so. Otherwise, you would be naked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! I just that's. Yeah, I just can't sometimes. <laughs> Rune shield. Uh, by the way, it's important to note that all of that was fucking third level. That, yeah, third level. Um, that, is a, that was a lot for third level. Yeah, yeah so it's seventh level, runic shield. You learn to invoke your rune magic to pro uh, protect your allies. When another creature within 50, 60 feet is hit by an attack, you can use your reaction to force the attack to reroll the d20 roll and use that new roll so potentially miss uh you can use the feature uh bon proficiency bonus long rest to get them all back that's pretty standard pup you want to get uh, great, great stature <laughs> great stature a 10th level rune feature the magic of your runes runes rune, yes <laughs> yes your rune. runes permanently alters alters you. When you gain this feature, roll 3d4. You grow a number of inches in high equal oh. to the roll. Oh, Moreover, the extra damage you deal with your giants might feature increases to 1d8. You just get oh, uh, taller. Just oh. big. Just big. Go big. <laughs> yes. Master of runes. Giant daddy, yes. At 15th level, you can invoke each rune you know from your rune carver feature twice rather than Ooh. once. And you gain all expanded with oh when you finish a short or a long rest. That's cool. Look at that. That's yeah. cool. I I mean using them twice is is awesome. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, runic juggernaut, eighteenth level. You learn how to amplify your rune powered transformation. As a result, the extra damage you deal with the giant's might feature increases to one d ten. Moreover, when you use that feature, your size can increase to huge. And while you are that size, your reach increases by five feet. This I is really, one really like big this. mamma jamma. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like this. I want to be a Goliath. Yeah, that's already a Goliath. Big. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Skip <laughs> bigger. You know now, what one would thing actually I... be really fun? Would huh. to be to create an actual giant class. You know, and use the the giant like NPC proportions because like Goliath, they're like half giant ish, you yeah. know. But like, just start out at ten feet and just be like, now I'm bigger. Fuck you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I want to. Actually, what would be fun for me is to be a gnome <laughs> and just grow with it. Yeah. Maybe like a normal sized human as a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, do it better. Tobin, be a kinder. Oh, <laughs> imagine oh. Tobin just like in it for huge, like a huge Tobin, 
would just <laughs> ruin everything. <laughs> that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Now, what, one cool thing I do like about this is it gives you Battlemaster builds. Yes. And it doesn't give yeah. you a few. It gives you a shit ton of them. Yeah. And we're not going to go through them. We're not. No. We'll, we'll read the names of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Archer, Bodyguard, Brawler, Duelist, Gladiator, Hoplite, Lancer, Outrider, Pugilist, Shock Trooper, Skirmisher, and Strategist. Um, if you want to know what they are, just uh, look up Tasha's and, and go through them. Because it does give you some pretty good builds for them. Yeah. And it kind of helps you with your um, with the the mechanics of it for your backstory. Yeah, if you don't know where to really start, and you're like, "Oh, I kind of want to do this," like, "Oh, okay, just look at the build, and you're done." Yeah, um, it's but that's good. it. That is um, it. I this was a lot of I, fun. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of I'm kind of between the Psy Warrior and Arcane Archer for the I'm extras. Rose. I mean, the I'm runes is cool. all the way. I, I do like the runes, um, especially, you know, having the, the, the giant uh, kind of backstory uh, going on. That's yeah. that's kind of cool. And for what, yeah. we're actually, build, for what we're secretly building that Pup doesn't know, um, that mm-hmm. could be fun to add into well, the class. I know now. I was apparently. thinking about that. I was thinking about that. We'll, we'll text. We'll text. Yeah. Okay. I have. A, okay. Well, <laughs> it's nice to be kept out of the loop. Um, but I would, I like the Psy Warrior a lot, actually. The Psy Warrior has, well, I mean, I just, I I just (laughs) like the ability to throw people against the wall. That sounds weird. Weird. But I I like it. Because you're a bottom and you don't normally do that. So it's fine. Um, we get it. Oh, (laughs) hi listeners. I'm Puffin and I'm a bottom. Just so you know. I mean, this isn't the first episode we've talked about this. Just go ahead and send them those letters. I'm going to delete it. Shut up. (laughs) But it was funny. Um, Oh, no, you can leave it. Leave it. It's fine. You can know I'm a bottom. It's okay. Okay. So. I'm proud of my bottom. um, Yeah. I mean, hey, no judgment. Um, Last thoughts on all of all of these. I I like fighters. They're super cool. They're obviously very versatile because there's like damn near everything that you could throw at uh, a game in one of the, the the archetypes. So if you don't really know what you want to do like as a specialty, you know, if you want just a little bit of magic but you still want to fight, you can be a fighter. If you want to be a teacher or a battle master or a samurai or something, you could be a fighter. Um, I like the <laughs> versatility of it. Um, obviously, my favorite is the battle master class because of all the different maneuvers. I mean, it's two pages of maneuvers just in the player's handbook, and then they add more in Tasha's and Xanathar's. So that's it right there. Thorn? Uh Again, fighters is one of my favorite classes. I just because of the versatility of it. I love the champion, um, just to build a pure tank. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, I've played everything there is to play in this game, and sometimes it's nice just to be the tank and mm-hmm. just run things over. Uh, for flavor of it, for the um, backstory that could come out of it, the the rune, the runes are really cool. I yeah. really like those. It just depends on what my mood is and what kind of backstory I've come up with. Um, but yeah, this is definitely one of my fa- more more favorite classes, and, it, and it's a lot of fun to do. Pup? Well, you know I love a good first class. So, um... <laughs> I had to. Um, but <laughs> I really i really enjoy fighters oddly enough because uh, there's magic aspects to it and you think since they're it doesn't seem like they're heavy magic use they wouldn't enjoy them but fighters are pretty really fun and really 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 funny to watch them make all their attacks as you wait like five minutes while they (laughs) roll their tight um but yeah i i really enjoy i really enjoy playing against fighters especially the newer ones that they came out with Mm -hmm. the like unique concepts like the psy warrior the rune rune knight the rune knight was really really interesting and i know there's some that we're not going to touch base on like the echo knight and some that have been released in later later episodes yeah Yeah. later episodes 
um, you'll kind of see that they they really take that fighter ability and expand on what your idea of somebody who is a complete ca combat master looks like. So yeah, and especially I mean, if you don't like the official quote unquote, uh, you can always just go to D and D Wiki or uh, DMs Guild stuff like that and get some homebrew uh, classes. I mean, there's a plethora on Unearthed Arcana uh, and the subreddits stuff. Yeah, D&D Wiki has dozens. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to talk, like, uh, as much as we've played the game and, and made different things, like, there's millions of all of us nerds out there that just like making things. Um, yep. And so you can always just go on there and be like, I, I don't like these, so I want something new. There's going to be something new. I guarantee it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's fighters. Uh, we will be doing uh, clerics next. Um, probably not this next episode, uh, but maybe in next month or so we'll we'll do the other uh, classes: cleric and uh, barbarians. Are what are left of the classes that we haven't done yet. So with that, remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied. What's up, Weavers of the Realm? As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe or follow us on your chosen platforms. It goes a long way to help us grow. Uh, and if you liked the intro music that we just used, it was made with the help of The Hobby Hub on YouTube and Saturn Imaging Production Company. Uh, also, if you want exclusive content like NPC of the Week, Discord access, and behind the scenes, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast. And of course, the link to our merch store, social medias, and all the other podcast uh, platforms are available on our link tree in the show notes. Good luck in your games, steal everything, and have fun. <laughs>